Hey everyone, welcome to Homestyle Table Talk. I'm Duncan. And I'm James, and welcome to a fireside chat with a couple amateur experts. You're listening to season one of Homestyle Table Talk, where our discussion topic is art. If you're interested in more content, you can follow us on Instagram at htt.pod. Or you can go to our website at httpod.fyi to check out our blog, our story, and our merch. A special thanks to the West Coast Feed for hooking it up with our soundtrack for the podcast. Head to your nearest music streaming service to check out the rest of their tracks. A quick disclaimer. If you hear us calling the podcast Here's the Thing during Season 1 episodes, don't be alarmed. We had to change our name in the middle of the season, but we hope you enjoy our content nonetheless. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Episode 3. Episode 3. We are five weeks into doing Here's the Thing podcast, and for you math nuts out there, that might not make a whole lot of sense. But we have an episode zero, might pop up on our website here in a bit. Who knows? Episode zero was pretty fun. It'll be an Easter egg, for sure. It'll just pop up for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. limited time only. Where do we go from there? So, Duncan. So, James. I've been wondering, how are you doing today? Today was weird. I worked from home today, which was a blessing. But I was put onto an old project that I had thought, I really thought I had finished it. But turns out, nope. So here I was working on an old project and found myself just super uninspired to do anything about it. And that actually gets to my thing this week. Already? Already. I know. I'm cutting the like catch up time short. But well, you know, that just leaves more for tangential goings on later oh i'm excited mm. so yeah so i found myself really uninspired so i did a few things to sort of shake up my routine i guess like things that i wouldn't normally get to do in a work week or work day so i was able to clean my room put my laundry away deal with some of my documents that were just laying around you know just paper gets you know gets on the desk and starts to clutter things so not only did i want to do that just for my own sanity you were coming over to do this and i wanted to have an you know good a well-hosted environment for you and so I took a shower and I actually I before I took a shower I did that thing where you know you sit on your bed and you're just kind of like awaiting the reality of oh I need I'm, I'm gonna shower in a minute you know and you're just having a vibe yeah so I was I realized that I was listening to music the entire day and I kind of had this unsettled feeling of I need to not have something in the airways right now like i need i need to turn off sound for just a bit yeah so i did that and it was quiet and it was a little uncomfortable and i think that was a good thing for me to sort of sit in the because i have music playing if you know me i have music playing almost all the time when i'm driving when i'm walking around if i'm not actively talking to people if i'm just at my house i, I will usually just have music on or a podcast or something yeah. Well, I, I try to have music on or podcast on all the time, but whenever I take a pause from that and I start a conversation with someone or somebody interrupts me and I, or like I'm having to write something mm -hmm. and I just need, need the, the music to stop yeah. then I'll like take it out of my ear. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll forget for like 20 minutes and it'll be silent and you'll it'll be, be like, silent, what's going on? And then I'll be like, Oh, I was listening to something great and I'll put it back in and find my mm. place and start again. But it's so funny for me. Like I... I will just forget that I was listening to something. Yeah. Like that side of my brain just turns off and my ears just turn off. Yeah. But all that to say, 
I felt like I needed sort of like a de-stimulus sort of time in my day because I just felt kind of overwhelmed. So actually I took a shower with the lights off. I have a window, so it was like I had plenty of daylight coming in, but it was just, you know, I just didn't have man-made light, Yeah, which was kind of nice. I just was kind of relaxing and trying to just de-stress super hot water, which I probably, <laughs> I know is probably not the thing to do, but just was just relaxing. And then, yeah, all of that just, it was a weird day, just very out of whack, out of norm. And so I think my thing that I came to think on for this week was inspiration through silence. I feel like sometimes I get into a mode where I have this desire to fill the airways with either sound or video, you know, some some secondary source of, you know, quote unquote inspiration or stimulus yeah. or something that'll get my brain. It allows, it allows things to, to turn over in your, in your brain. It gets things moving almost. Yeah. And so that's kind of the excuse of always having something on. Yeah. I can, I can really see that for myself. It's just helpful for me. What, my last previous job, it was helpful for me to constantly have something on. I was like, oh, I'm keeping my mind active, keeping, keeping on sharp on things um, because I'm listening to something all the time. Yeah. And I think that I kind of have come to realize through several different circumstances, today being a very salient example, just because it was today, but just the fact that maybe sometimes silence is even better than having a secondary source of inspiration, you know, because I'm constantly sifting through other people's designs and other people's work. I think having a clean slate to work from hmm. in your brain to ideate is actually is probably one of the best things that you can do. Because if you're constantly looking for other people for inspiration, you don't have, you don't train the muscle to just come up with it yourself. Yeah. Right. And I think there is a ton of, don't get me wrong. I think there's a ton of value in being inspired by other people, seeing other people's creations, thinking, oh great, like I'm going to do something that's similar to that because I'm inspired by that. But I think that at the same time, doing it of your own volition, doing it of your own freely and uninhibited, unaltered inspiration is valuable as well. A question for you is about how long it takes to clean your slate. Ooh, yeah. Like you you spoke that you you turned off your music, you sat on your bed for a while, had your moody vibes. <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. <laughs> but I mean, that that's just what it, we have. No, yeah. You have have a moody vibe and you're sitting there without without a whole lot of music on. Mm -hmm. Then you take a shower, mm -hmm. which actually has a lot of of noise to it. It's white noise. It is, yes. Um, it's it's not necessarily that you even need something that's clear. You just need like something that isn't creating almost its own stimulus. Yeah, yeah. Well, music you. is a definitely a something to think on. And being a musician and being someone who's passionate about music having music on i'm just always thinking about oh i liked that riff or oh i liked that instrument or oh that i'm looking forward to this part of the song or oh i know this playlist and this song is coming next huh so those things actually i think eventually distract me from what i'm doing right. in the moment so to answer your question how long does it take me to clean my slate yeah not that long honestly i mean it could just be like half hour of just being super quiet mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden i'll get into a jam and kind of like you were saying you take the music out for a bit and then you kind of realize 20 30 minutes later oh i don't have music going on then i'll be in a vibe i'll be in a i'll be in a groove and i'll just throw something i'll throw throw music on and that i know is either going to inspire me or, or whatever it's interesting to me that you as a creative person 
feel that you can continually put inspirational things into your mind and into your like bin and bucket mm-hmm. and you can like see instagram and you can see on the internet <laughs> just like all sorts of like yeah. oh these are designs that i'm like absorbing throughout the day yeah yeah but still for you to actually put out you need to take a time and like get a blank canvas oh yeah and it's that blank canvas is really your brain like it's not necessarily the bl- blank sheet of paper that you're typing on or mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm you're illustrating but it it is a blank canvas that you're coming to by clearing out your mind and i think that's a really interesting idea where do do you think that it goes blank and then like there's like you know a blotch on the paper almost Mm. that you start with your inspiration or or do you think you're intentionally pulling in once you have your inspired mode you're like beginning to pull things in to that i think i do both with in terms of having a blank canvas and then just putting something on it and then having a blank canvas and pulling elements together. I think I do both. Okay. I think when I'm feeling most inspired, I will kind of what they say, I'll start with the basics. I'll start with squares and circles and triangles and I'll form them into shapes and into other like more complex shapes, compound shapes. And I will, you know, generate a logo that way, or I'll generate a pattern that way, or I'll make a poster that just has a circle in the middle and I'll just start adding elements to it. I'll add an effect, I'll add a texture, I'll add whatever, and it'll grow into something that is, that I think looks cool. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I will take pre-made elements that I think are really cool and I'll start pulling them together. Mm -hmm. So if I want to make a poster that has a certain element that I'm like, well, it would take me like hours and hours and hours, maybe days to make this thing that I already know exists. Yeah. I'll throw it in there. And I honestly, 60% of the things that I make, nobody ever sees. Right. Because a, it would be kind of plagiarism to post it in, in my sort of personal convictions and B it's just, I don't need to show everybody everything. So I have a whole host of designs that I like that I just haven't posted or or haven't printed or haven't shown anybody. Right. Just because it was I needed to maybe make something to get me into the process of making something that then I showed. Right. It's kind of like the iceberg thing. You know, yeah. you don't you don't know necessarily what's beneath it. You only see what's on top and you appreciate what's on top, but really what's kind of holding it there and making it what it is is it's what's below. And it's kind of like what you said on episode one, where you have to create a bunch of, you're already going to be creating a hundred logos. Sure. Some at some point. Yeah. And so it's, and the world's not going to see those hundred logos. They're going to see one, two of those logos. Yeah. And so you are. <laughs> no one wants to spend the time sifting through all of them anyways. So yeah. I don't even want to do that. It's like when a friend or someone just takes a bunch of pictures of you, like, oh, I got a bunch for you of this moment. And you're like. I don't want to go and delete the photos in my phone now of this event. So I'm just going to leave them all. It's going to clutter my, clutter my inbox. Yeah. Clutter my photo bank photo. What do we call it these days? Camera album. Camera album. Camera roll. Camera roll. Camera roll. That's a antiquated term. I was, oh, so I was talking to my best friend's dad yesterday, speaking of these kind of anachronistic words we use in our own sort of day-to-day life that refer to things usually on our phones. We were talking about this thing called skeuomorphic design, which kind of came out around the iPhone, where it's essentially making flat digital interfaces look like materials. 
So you might remember back in the day, a lot of the iPhone buttons and interactive elements looked 3D. Yeah. That's yeah, that's did. what skeuomorphic design is. Okay. Yeah. Is it was that invented? Well, at some point, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't course. remember if it was specifically for the iPhone that they kind of coined that term skeuomorphic, yeah. but you know, where nowadays we have a, a lot more flat design because people are really used to using digital interfaces to do things. Yeah. You know, back in the day, they would try to make things that look like, you know, rocker switches and dials. Yeah. And you can, some apps still do that nowadays. Yeah. But all of that to say, it was kind of this, this bridge between the physical world and the digital world, right? You know, if you, if you go to any sort of old device, um, you know, whether it's like a recording device or you, I mean, I'm thinking for myself, production devices that have a lot like switch actual switches and not just a digital panel where you touch the screen and it, yeah. you know, like an old camcorder or something. Like yeah. That. Choose yeah. your device. It has buttons on it. Right. Sure. So to trans transition our society, our world from all physical to a mix between physical and digital, they created kind of this design language of skeuomorphic where, huh. okay, we're going to reference to people that this is how you would use this thing yeah by making it look like the real thing nowadays you know a button is a button is a button and it doesn't need to look like it has edges and the light is bouncing off of it right all of that to say you said camera roll yeah oh okay right yeah 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 and so that just kind of there's so many things nowadays that we that are references to old technology that don't the why why would they look like that nowadays oh like like the battery on a phone like the little battery yes, little icon that is yes phone battery is a double a battery or a whatever sure 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 yeah it's a cylindrical you know you think duracell or whatever yeah you know not a paid plug. energizer energizer bunny <laughs> oh sorry yeah. yeah 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 forgot sponsors no, but the, yeah, it's not a cylindrical battery that feels, it's it's usually flat. I mean, it's it has to be flat. These phones are millimeters thick now. But the save icon is a floppy yeah. floppy disk. It is a floppy right? disk. Right? Like, yeah. And if you don't know what that is, it's just shocking to me. Because, I mean, I grew up at least using floppy disks sometimes for, for memory. I, but it's just a memory card. It's I think the maximum amount of memory you could have on a floppy disk is 1.9 megabytes. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't think I ever used a floppy disk, but I've seen them. Sure. And these kids out here. These kids out here in the streets. Out here in the streets. These these digital nomad streets. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many different examples. I mean, just pick up your device. I'm looking at my computer over there, and the voice recorder app looks like a microphone. Now, James, you and I have microphones. That look kind of like that. That microphone. look a whole lot like that icon. But if you're just if you just have your laptop it's a hole on the side of your screen, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. That's what's recording your audio, not this microphone looking thing. Or even like settings. It's a gear. Or like analog clocks on a digital surface. If you have an iPhone, no, not a paid plug. Like the stopwatch has this function. I had no so idea swipe, that that existed. If you swipe to the left, it has like this entire analog looking stopwatch wow. surface and it will count up minutes up to 30 it's crazy james you're teaching me things yeah dude. i it, appreciate that it's all in the tips on your iphone oh i am so bad with that i just i'm such a all growing up i would get the lego set and i would just like toss the instructions to would the you side build would you build the thing that it <sighs> maybe 40 percent of the time 
Okay. Okay, maybe that's unfair. 60% of the time. Sometimes I would just be like, ooh, I want those pieces in that set. So I would just buy the set and I would just use the pieces. I want Batman, but I don't want to make a Batmobile. <laughs> Do I have a Batmobile. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I just cleared it out of my closet, but it's, I have the, no, I threw the box away. Unfortunate. But it existed and it's cool and I actually still have a lot of the pieces upstairs. Oh, but Yeah, people, this, you know, if you don't know me from, from Adam, then... I'm a huge, huge Lego nerd. Used to be, at least. He's just kind of a nerd. That's okay. But we're all nerds. Yeah. I mean, I'm a nerd. I study physics, so. <laughs> nerd. Nerd. <laughs> all that to say, I had a weird day, and I had the realization that inspiration comes through silence sometimes, and then that tangent about old icons that we use. And that camera rolls. Things that we see on a daily basis that reference old objects that we don't use anymore. Which gets into this idea of nostalgia, by the way, which I'm super, oh. super fascinated with. Yeah. Let's talk about that on episode four. That'll be my thing next okay, week. Next week, we'll, we'll share about it. Nostalgia. So enough on my side. James, what about you? How's, how's your day been? And, and if you want to tie in, what, what's your thing? I'm happy to share about me today. I had a really great day today. That's it's good. been one full week at my new job and congratulations. It's been fun to get to know my team and fun to fun to get to work with uh, a bunch of pretty inspiring people. And so we yeah, it's been really, really good. I actually have a tie-in from one of my coworkers, but I must add oh. that this day became extra great when I walked into our broadcast studio and Duncan had vacuumed his floors. <laughs> our this, broadcast studio, aka my bedroom. Yes. Our my <laughs> Not my bedroom, weird. <laughs> Duncan's bedroom has the like those like clean vacuum lines that just make you happy and make you think of cleanliness. Not everybody likes them. I had a roommate in college that did not like them and asked specifically that at one point I don't. He didn't make a big deal about it, but he asked specifically that I not leave vacuum lines in the carpet. Did he want you to like rake them? Like a little sand rake to like keep yourself no, soothed? No, nothing that's extreme. I just like, you know, when you, you, you push it one direction, you pull it back the other way at a diagonal so that you reveal the two different sort of combs of the carpet. Sure. Yeah. He didn't like that. So, so he'd want it, you'd vacuum down the line and then just pull it directly Directly back. back. That is so inefficient. It's okay. It was, you know, the things you do as a roommate to ensure peace in the home. Oh my God. It was just one of those things. It's like I'll do but the now I every can... single day, but I'm not going to yeah. change my vacuum parallel line pattern. No, dude. I mean, you know, now I can do it however I want. It's my room. So I'm glad that that brought you joy. Yeah. I will ensure you that I still see diagonal lines here. Oh, good. So sorry, college roommate. I have to be. <laughs> it's okay. I have to be honest. I did vacuum it and then I, I kind of didn't walk in it in my room until you got here because <laughs> i was like i want him to see how clean my room is the work that i put in to you know making this a hospitable environment for you well in a hospitable environment for your ears so thanks duncan you're very welcome well i had a conversation with one of my coworkers today um shout out to you you know who you are and i was talking about this podcast and what we're doing and kind of where we're going and i was talking about how um episode two was about was about movies and we last week we started talking about comfort movies and the fact that there's these movies that are like allow us to be able to like witness art in a way and like we like it and we enjoy it and it's something that we can like fall back on and our question was about like well these pieces of art that are movies mm -hmm. are we just 
desecrating them? <laughs> are we desecrating them by texting on our phones while they're happening if we've seen them 600 times? Yeah. And where we got to, we got on this weird topic of like how much money these movies make and how it's probably fine that they've made a lot of money. So, oh, so you were circling back on the conversation that we had last week about movies yes. and you got onto this topic? Yeah, I, okay. was, I was telling him that like, oh, like we're talking about movies and we're talking about art and there's like this interplay and I'm, I'm talking about experiencing art. Yeah. And he was saying, he was brought up this idea of the critic. Okay. Um, and good storytelling and storytelling appealing to the masses. Okay. Um, and so it was really interesting to me. The, this quote, um, which is by Donald Miller. Um, in his book, Building yes. a Story Brand. Yes. He says, Donna Miller in this quote is talking about like the hero story. Okay, gotcha. Um, and he says, this is why indie films, which often break from the formula to game critical acclaim, fail miserably at the box office. Yeah. Critics are hungry for something oh, different, yet the masses who do not study movies professionally want accessible stories. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I was like, oh, like me being like a non-critic, and I'm totally fine with that like process me being a non-critic of a movie just kind of wants some things that are accessible yeah but i also feel this pressure to really have like a, a critical review of moonrise kingdom oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and be like he was struck by lightning and it was so poetic yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't well, really talk about wes anderson i guess of course and that would be the movie to talk about right, right. or the at least the director and so we were talking um about well the, the question that i have right now um is about um these things like art, um, like, should it be, should we be okay with all art being something that's easily digestible? Like, oh, we can like easily understand this art and it's good for us and we, we enjoy it and it's like whatnot. Or should we be pursuing and pushing ourselves to be in the, like the critics place where we've studied all these pieces of art and whatnot. Um, and in the mid middle time between now and then we're like, we're just lay people and we're looking, at, <laughs> we're looking at these films and we have like fake depth with mm -hmm, them. And mm -hmm. so I was realizing, oh, like this, he brought up this concept of fake depth. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, that is amazing. Like I, I would like to bring that up and talk about when we're reviewing art and we're looking at these things and like, we're even critical of the fact that we're enjoying a movie in our own way. Are we yeah, just yeah. forcing ourselves into fake depth? Ooh, that's okay. I have three things that I'm thinking about in my brain right now. Number one. I don't think that it's bad that we have easily consumable art. Yeah. However, on the point number two, I don't think that we should strive for only having easily consumable art. I think we should push ourselves towards having, you know, deep, very, I think we should push ourselves to having art that requires of us more engagement, more thought, actual depth, actual conviction. Yeah. Not at the expense of easily consumable art because you have to bring people into the conversation. And if you're already talking at a level that people don't understand, that's not easily accessible. They won't even be interested in talking about the art that you're talking about. Right. So I think you need both kinds. And the third one on fake depth, I think that it's definitely something that happens. I think that people can construct for themselves either alternate, alternate universe storyline, plot things, whatever. Sure. To kind of sort of justify, oh, like this is why I like this movie so much when it's actually not that, you know, there's nothing yeah. there. This is, it's not substantive. So the viewer has to create something. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for you as an audience member doing the work to create an, another story in your mm. head. I think that's a, I think that's valid. Yeah. I don't think that that's 
inherently wrong to do. Right. But I do think that if you're not approaching the art critically and realizing, no, like this didn't take any effort or, you know, this is something that actually isn't that deep and you start constructing something because you're like, oh, like this is how we should respond to all art. I, th- I think that might be an incorrect posture. Yeah. I think it takes a little bit of clarity and understanding to approach the art that you're looking at and, and ask, is this something that is deep or is easily consumable and is okay to create secondary right. trains of thought based off of it? Or yeah. am I just like shoehorning this, just trying to get like talk about art in depth when it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't necessarily merit that. Yeah. Is that... Does that answer any of, of those? Did I sort of understand the concept of of fake depth correctly? Yeah, I think this concept of fake depth was really striking to me mm-hmm. as we're having conversations about art, mm-hmm. where me, as someone that doesn't know art super duper well, um, I just want to make sure that I'm not going out on a limb. Yeah, just... Like, I think I know this conjuring so up. I'm just going to conjure thoughts. up wild feelings about these things that I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not necessarily going to force myself even into understanding things like modernism that I don't necessarily understand. Yeah. Fair. Um, but still without taking a fake stance about the depth that I'm interacting with these pieces of art, I can still come to the art and not know the technical intricacies of the mm, detail mm-hmm. of their method, but I will still be able to have the visceral emotional experience yeah, with the art. Yeah. And if I can't properly describe that in the critical way, that's okay. Yeah. Your experience is super relatable because entering the art world in terms of like formal study of it, like just a few years ago, I definitely found myself in this place of, oh, come on. You know, like when there were so many conversations happening about art that was being made around me and, you know, I was hanging out with a lot of studio artists and I feel, I felt like the the studio artists more often than not had all these deep thoughts about the art that was being made. Whereas graphic designers were just kind of picking it apart being like, yeah, I don't like it. Like whatever. Yeah. But you know, studio artists were saying, oh, well it could mean this or it could mean that or whatever. And they were I actually, it was interesting. They were offering more possibilities, more options, but they weren't drawing any like firm conclusions. Okay. Whereas like usually designers that I was around were like, well, what's the meaning? What's the one thing it's trying to communicate, which is right. such a, I think that's kind of a, an in, in, inherent maybe like a left manifestation, brain, right, right brain kind of, way. kind of, yeah, maybe. But I definitely found myself in that space of wondering, Are th- is this real? Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> It can't mean that, can yeah. it? It was made by a student. And the more I, and I think that was super, I mean, it's super arrogant of me to say that because the more I was around, I mean, you know, over four years being around way more and more studio artists realizing, oh no, they were thinking about this for years. Hmm. Like this art show is the culmination of at least two years of thought. Yeah, They have to submit the gallery proposition, I think. I don't know what it's called exactly, but like way in advance. So there, this isn't just a spur of the moment thing. They've got to design the whole gallery and come yeah. up with a reason for it. So, I, and I, I'll, and a lot of the studio artists that I talked to were planning this thing for years. They had a vision for it years ago before they even maybe even entered school. Yeah. And so I think that there is something to be said about like, even if it is made by a student, right? Yeah. Younger Duncan, you arrogant little jerk, you know, like even if it is made by a student, there's so much thought and care yeah. and and time put into making this thing what it is so 
you know that this this idea of fake depth i think can definitely manifest itself in all seasons and places and art shows but like mm. why would we put a limit on how deep you want to think about something sure. you know because i know a lot of people who who enjoy things that i enjoy deeply mm-hmm. they enjoy it on a surface level right because like oh yeah it's it's fun i'll, I'll watch it but and where I'll geek out about it, you know, something like the Alien series. I posted on Instagram the other day. I was like, I need someone to geek out with this, you know, about this with me. I had a couple of people, people respond. But where like some I've people... I've seen Prometheus. Yeah. Well, and so so where you might enjoy it on sort of a surface level, yeah. other people, I'm like going to geek out geek out about it. Why are we? Why would we put a limit, a cap on how much we're allowing people right. to, to have depth about a subject? And I think the flip side, but also the same thing is why would we have a expectation that people yeah. would, oh, so would good. an expectation that people would already be at a place when they're reviewing the art or when they're talking about alien? Like we, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't, I don't need to be at the same place as you on alien. Sure. Sure. And I don't need to be the same place as, as you on Salvador Dali or. Yeah. Well, cause I've just spent the time to, to look into it more. Yeah. And so I think that it totally gets back to me, young, ignorant Duncan entering school thinking like, how could this be that deep? That was totally from a place of ignorance, right? Of thinking, oh, well, I've thought it through enough in my own head. It can't be, you know, there can't be anything else to this. So again, back to that conversation about humility, right? Consuming art takes so much humility where you have to say, you know what? I probably don't know the half of this. So I'll give, you know, give it the time and the thought and the depth that it it merits. Right. and, And go from there. And it's like, well, with some things that seem very simple, it's like, oh, a five-year-old could have created it, but yeah. did they? <laughs> yeah, and I think that to sort of bounce on that, when you talk about the whole my five-year-old could do it attitude, because it is super prominent, especially when you talk about modern art, mm-hmm. but you bring out artists like Picasso, who has a series of bull paintings, B-U-L-L, where it's very, it's, some, some of them are just one line, and he just, you know, he does the stroke, and it, boom, it has a simple representation of a bull. And you look at that and you think, oh, my five-year-old could do that. Yeah. The dude could paint like like a master. I mean, that was the, that was the thing. Most most of the these artists that were emerging in the early stages of, of modern art, the early growth periods of modern art, were being trained to paint like the masters. Yeah. They just wanted to do something else, right? They wanted to do, you know, I, I want to start cubism. They might not have thought that consciously. I want to start Cubism. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I want to have an indie funk band. Yeah. Before indie funk was ever a Instead thing. Instead of jazz. Yeah, exactly. So these things are, are grown out of knowing the fundamentals. And you can't ignore the fact that a lot of these artists who created very new movements in art knew what they were doing and wanted to do something super unique. You know, whether you like it or not, that's a whole different conversation. Right. You could absolutely hate, you know, Picasso and Jackson Pollock and whatever. You know, name your sort of ab- name your artist who I either abstract or expressionist or, you know, everything in between. And, you know, if you like it or not, I don't I don't care. Yeah. You don't need to like it. It's not they don't they're, they're not even asking you to like it. No. They just want to do the work that they're doing. Yeah. And if someone likes it, that's great. So as long as you have humility when you're approaching it and you say, you know what, I'm going to give this a chance. I don't need to like it, but I'm at least going to engage with it and have a conversation with it and, and try to understand where it's coming from. Then I think that's, that's what matters. 
So fake depth, right? Bringing it back. As long as you're excited about something, I don't think that we can put a cap or a limit on how deep you want to think about a certain thing. Unless you're freaking yourself out about something, then I think that we can just rein it in a little bit. But I think getting excited about stuff is important. Being excited about it is very important and allowing yourself to be open to being excited about it in a visceral sense or in a really geeking out sense is okay. And all of the in-between is great. And I think that is what the statement about fake depth is. And even that quote by Donald Miller that um, we as people that are critics or not can mm -hmm. get excited about the things that we're excited about yeah, yeah. and bring kind of everything that we are to those places and be the amateur experts in, in that zone sure. and allow the art to move us maybe even one step closer to where we want to be. Yeah. I love that. I love it. What's the, ba -da 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 -da. who knows if that's the right key? I don't feel like it's the right key, but I also don't know what you're talking about. The Sky Pines. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm probably actually going to fade up from, there's this nice bridge that they have Good. in the middle of it that like has this like violin sort of like it's dj yeah. playing his his violin just like so elegantly and then it like gets back into like the it's like really it's it's good to good vibe that sounds like a good vibe I yeah mean, send it if someone likes it that's great you know like thanks mom <laughs> you know like if no one listens to this podcast except my mom that's fine but we did it but we did it <laughs>